like to invite you to take a journey with me. A journey that'll go from your seats here, Canyon Hills, heading above your Belinda, eventually traveling outside of California, making our way across the plains of the United States, waving hi to our friends on the East Coast, across the Atlantic Ocean, through the Mediterranean Sea, into a little town in the nation of Israel, about 7,600 miles from your seats here at Canyon Hills Friends Church, 17 miles northeast of Jerusalem, an oasis in the middle of the desert called Jericho. And it's here in Jericho, it's somewhere between August and September. According to the Almanac, it would be between 90 to 110 degrees. Much different than where we're at here in Yorbalinda. And because of its location, Jericho was considered an oasis in the desert, full of lush vegetation and, and rivers that would flow through it. And it was set up as a strategic crossroads in ancient Palestine. And because of the very nature of it, all different kinds of people would travel through these roads. One road in particular we call the Jericho Road. It started up in Galilee, and it made its way through the Jordan Valley to the Judean Desert, into Jericho, and eventually ended up in Jerusalem, used by most people in Palestine. On this road, you'd find kings going back and forth, making alliances, armies marching to and from war, merchants going back and forth, trying to sell their craft and their trade, religious people on their way to Jerusalem, if you look closely at certain times of the year, you'd also find another man, a man that everyone had heard of, a man that everybody wanted to know, a man named Jesus. But being the very nature of this road, there were also what the Bible would consider the least of these. You'd find the homeless, the hurting, the broken, the sick, the blind, the deaf, the mute, the crippled, the diseased. They'd be there. But nobody paid attention to them. They pushed him off to the side, saw them as obstacles, just objects in their way, preventing them from getting where they were trying to go. And this is how they lived their whole life, being overlooked by all of society, except for one man. One man was able to look beyond where they were, beyond the setting, to see the brokenness, to see all the poor and the powerless.
but there was a word for how these people felt. And that word in our English language is marginalized. And to be marginalized, it means to be pushed to the edge where you're ignored, where you're no longer at the center of attention. It means to be cast aside, to be seen as powerless, to be dehumanized, to be devalued. You name it, they felt it. And the sad reality is, is that there are millions of people who live in our world who feel marginalized every single day. And you don't have to go too far beyond your front doorstep before you start seeing images like this. People who are hurting. People who are in pain. People who are crying out for help because it seems nobody else will listen. Nobody else will take the time. But we just look straight through them because we're too busy. We've got more important things to do, or maybe it's too uncomfortable. Maybe it's too inconvenient for us. So we marginalize them and we push them to the edge. And people live like this every day. For those of you who know my wife, Tiffany, she struggles with an undiagnosed chronic illness. In the year and a half that we've been married, I can't tell you how many times I've seen her be marginalized by people that we would even consider friends. That just because she might be a little bit different, just because she may not have the energy to do what most other people do, she gets cast to the side. She gets overlooked. She gets left out. She gets devalued and dehumanizing. And it breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart because not only does she have to deal with this physical pain, but she also now has to deal with this emotional and with the mental pain that comes of being dejected by humanity. And the sad reality is, is that there are millions of people who live in this constant state every single day of their life, all around the world. But we just look straight through them. And you can be marginalized for any number of reasons. It can be based off of your health. It could be your gender, your identity, your language, your background, your fame, your wealth, you name it. We marginalize people. But you know, the Bible says that we're to love everyone, that we don't get to marginalize people because everyone was created equal in the eyes of the Lord. And I guarantee you that there is somebody in your daily routine of life who's in desperate need of love. Somebody at school, somebody at your work, somebody at the gym, somebody at the grocery store, somebody that you pass as you're traveling from place to place, somebody who desperately needs to feel your love. But we just look straight through them. We just look past them. And if we truly want to call ourselves as followers of Christ, we've got to learn to love like Jesus did. We've got to learn to love the people that we might overlook, the people who might be difficult to love. And if, as I was going through scripture, I found story after story after story of how Jesus exactly would do this. And one of the best ones that I could find came out from Matthew chapter 20. And I invite you to read it with me this morning as it kind of sets the stage of where we're going. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd had followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. But the crowd scolded them, tried to get them to be quiet. But they just shouted louder, Lord, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped 
and he looked their way. And then he asked, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, we want to see, they said. And Jesus felt compassion on them. So he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. And then they all started following Jesus. See, Jesus didn't marginalize anybody. Rather, he chose to love everyone. And one of the very first things that he did was he listened for the cries of the people around him. He listened for the pain that was around him. You see, love begins by listening. There are people who are hurting all around you. Every place you go, every time that you go out. Like I said earlier, we don't see them. We look straight through them because we're too wrapped up in our own worlds, too busy going from job to job or from meeting to meeting or food gathering to food gathering, event to event. We're always on the go. And when we see these people, we just look through them because it's inconvenient for us to stop. It's uncomfortable for us to have to engage. What do we do? Where do we go? What are we supposed to do here? And so we marginalize them. And this is exactly where these two blind men found themselves on that morning. They had been marginalized. They had been cast to the side. On Jericho, keep in mind, it's 90 to 100 degrees. They probably started some point in their life at the very center of the road, hoping that somebody would be able to stop and show them love, to give them something that could change their life forever. But as time went on, they just kept getting pushed around. They kept probably getting insulted, probably cursed at, probably shoved, probably seen as being in the way. So they would be pushed further and further from the roadside until where scripture says, where were they sitting? They were sitting by the roadside. They're in the ditch with the dust, the dirt, and the weeds. Where society wouldn't even have to acknowledge their presence. And I'm sure they'd been sitting there for most of their life and very nature of the road, they would hear these stories about a man named Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a miracle worker, who could make the deaf hear, who could make the lame walk, who could make the dead come to life. And maybe, just maybe, this miracle worker has enough miracles left to make the blind see. But they wouldn't know if he were ever coming. The odds of him ever coming their way was slim, so it probably seemed like there was no hope. But then one day, they heard some rumblings that Jesus was on his way. I'm sure they get excited thinking, maybe this is our chance. Maybe finally there will be somebody who can show us love and change our life forever. And then they heard this crowd coming in the distance. And this is so key because wherever Jesus went, there was always a crowd that followed him. Jesus would be in the center, much like this. People would be laughing and talking. It would be loud. It would be chaotic. Jesus is the center of attention. But these two men weren't even close to this. They were on the roadside. Then the other side of people, the odds of Jesus even seeing them were even lesser. But it didn't stop them. When it seemed like the crowd was right in front of them, what does scripture say? It says that they yelled out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I mean, what else did they have to lose? They couldn't get any worse off in life. Society had already disregarded them. Society had already pushed them off just like they were trash lying on the street. They could only go up from where they were. And so they called out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Do you know what happened next? This breaks my heart. Look at this. It says the crowd scolded them and tried to get them to be quiet. 
They're like, Lord, finally, somebody who can save us, have mercy, help us. And what happens? The crowd looks at them and says, shut up. Be quiet. How dare you speak to Jesus? How dare you raise your voice in front of the king, the Messiah? Who do you think you are? You think you're worthy enough to receive an audience with Jesus? Do you think you're worthy enough to have Jesus stop and engage with you? No. Why don't you go back to the ditch where you belong? Probably some very harsh words were spoken to them that day. Probably words they have heard their entire life. And we know this because it didn't even phase them. It goes on and it says, but they just shouted louder, Lord, have mercy on us. See, folks, this is where our society is at right now. The people who have been marginalized, the people who are hurting, the people who are fractured, the people who are broken, they've been run over by society. They've been pushed to the edges. They've been marginalized. They've been dehumanized. They've been devalued. And it fills them with sadness. It fills them with loneliness. It fills them with depression. It fills them with frustration. It fills them with anger to the point where they yell out. And that's what these two men did. See, nobody really knew their background. Nobody cared to engage with these two guys. They just saw them as obstacles yelling in the roadway. But you know what Jesus did? Look at this, in verse 32, it says, when Jesus heard them. You see, only one person actually heard them that day. Granted, the entire crowd probably heard them yelling out, but only one person was able to hear the pain in their voice, the reason why they were yelling. And so Jesus heard them. He enacted with them. And it's something he's promised that he would do for all of our lives. Look at this in Psalm 18.6. It says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. I prayed to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. And my cry reached his ears. Maybe this morning you identify with the crowd to when you see people who may be overlooked, when you see the homeless, the broken, maybe that person who just may be off, maybe different than you, maybe you're the first one to step up and say, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't associate with that kind of lifestyle. Or maybe you identify with one of the blind men where you feel that you're marginalized, that life is passing you by, that God has given up on you. Maybe you feel like, I know in scripture it says that Jesus will never give us more than we can handle, but I feel like I'm about to break. I feel like I'm in that point over my head where there's way more than I can handle. I don't know what the cry of your heart is. Maybe your cry is, why can't we finally get married? Why can't we have that child? Why can't we find financial security? Why can't I just be healthy enough to feel like a normal human being? See, I don't know what your cry is, but the one thing that I do know is that Jesus hears you. And when it seems like the world doesn't, when it seems like everybody has given up on you, Jesus still hears you. And he cares for you. And he wants to help you just like he wanted to help these two blind men. Jesus heard their pain. He heard their cry. And what he's telling us is, look, you've got to be willing to listen. You've got to be aware. If you truly care, you'll be aware. You'll listen to what is going on around you in the world. So I think this is a great point for us to stop and ask us the question, do you hear the cries of the people around you? Because they're there. They're everywhere we go. And if your answer is no, well, there's a problem. Because they're in your schools, they're in your communities, they're on the streets, they're in Chick-fil-A, they're in Costco, they're everywhere that you go. 
There are people who are hurting and in desperate need of love. And Jesus says, if you truly want to call yourself a follower of me, you've got to learn to love even these people because they're my children too. You know, Jesus didn't just finish with that. Scripture goes on to say this. It says, when Jesus heard them, he stopped. I love that word. It's so important. Jesus stopped. He's got an agenda. He's got a plan. He's walking through. But as soon as he hears them, he just stops dead in his tracks. No forward motion. He's not continuing on his way. It literally stops him right where he's at. And I think this is so important because it shows us that we must be willing to be interrupted. That if you truly want to be used by Jesus, you've got to get used to being interrupted. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I have felt God use me the most. It wasn't in the routine. It wasn't in the scheduled things, but it was in the unpredictable moments. The moments when I was vulnerable. The moments when my guard was down. The moments when it was the real mat, not the scheduled mat. And I know that this is hard because we're creatures of habit. We love busyness, don't we? We love to fill our schedules with things because if we're not busy, then we're by ourselves. When we're by ourselves, our minds start to run and we don't want to be left alone with our thoughts. So we fill our schedules with things to keep us busy and keep us distracted. But you know what the number one killer of mercy is? It's busyness. It's busyness. How many times have we said, I'm sorry, I'm too busy to help? I'm sorry, I can't help you. I've got more important things to do. Your need isn't a priority in my life, so I'm going to do what I want to do first. And we push people away. And we marginalize them. And I know that this is tough. I know that this is, it's frustrating for all of us, but this is what Jesus is calling us to. To hear the cries of the people who are hurting around us and to stop what we're doing. To stop wherever we are to engage whatever that may look like. But Jesus, he takes it a step further. You know, nobody really knew these guys' backgrounds. They just saw them as these obstacles. They didn't know how long they had been there. They didn't know what was going on. But Jesus took the time to hear them, and then he stopped. In the next part of this passage, it says, and he looked their way. See, folks, I think your attention is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever give to someone. Because your attention is your time, and your time, it's what you value the most in life. It is. And if you look at scripture at all, if you study scripture long enough, you're going to find story after story of Jesus looking at people. You know what happened? Every time he looked at someone, their life changed. Why did it change? Because it brought about some kind of confrontation. It brought about some kind of challenge, some confliction. Then it would bring change and it would bring comfort. You know why his look was so powerful? Because it was a look of love. It was a look of acceptance. It wasn't a look of judgment or a critical look towards one another. No, when Jesus saw people, when he truly looked at them, he saw their brokenness. He saw their hurt. He saw their pain. He saw their frustrations. He saw their worries, their doubts, their fears. He saw it all. And when Jesus looked at the crowds, it says that he felt compassion. He was moved with compassion. This word in the Greek is the word splachnitzomai, which it literally means a turning of the bowels. He felt it in his stomach. He was literally in pain as he saw the brokenness of his people. When I see crowds, when I see things like this, I move to irritation. I move to irritability. I move to claustrophobia. I move to judgment. I move to panic. I move to do whatever it takes to get out of here, even if it means throwing punches, right? We've all been there before. But when I see crowds like this, it's hard for me to find compassion. 
It's hard for me not to have a critical and a judgmental eye. But Jesus would look at this picture and he would say, each one of these people has a story to tell. Each one of these people is broken in their own way and I hear every single one of them. And I want to help every single one of them. And I know that this is hard, folks. I know that this is difficult because the reality is this, is that the people we're talking about this morning, well, these are the people who've been unloved all of their life. And if you've been unloved all of your life, the most PG way that I can put it means that you're obnoxious. And the reason I say that is this, is because if you don't find love from someone, what are you going to do? Whatever it takes to at least get their attention. Because if you can get their attention, it makes you feel value and maybe just a little bit of worth of life. And we see this true in children all the time, right? If a child doesn't feel loved or if a child feels like it's not getting its way, it'll throw a tantrum, it'll scream, it'll do whatever it takes to get your attention. Because they know if they can pull you away from your task just long enough, maybe that will change. Maybe you will invest in them instead of whatever it is that you're doing. And I know that it's difficult, but when we see people who may be yelling, who may be rude, who we may think is obstacles, who may be disheveled, people that we don't associate with, the uncomfortable, the inconvenient, when we see these obnoxious people, these are the exact kind of people who need the most massive doses of love. And we have to learn as Christians to look past faults or failures or their obstacles or obstinity or, or anything that's in their way. We have to look past their behavior to see their worth. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't see these guys in their setting. He said, I'm looking beyond that to see who you are as a person and what you actually need and what I can do for you. So Jesus, he listened for their pain. He would stop what he was doing. He would look at them intently. And the next thing he does is so important. Look at this. Scripture goes on to say, then he asked them. He asked them a question, a very simple question. What do you want me to do for you? See, Jesus was letting them set the agenda. He was letting them steer the ship. He could have come in saying, hey, I know exactly what it is that you need in your life. He did. He could have come in saying, hey, I know exactly what it's going to take to fix you. It'd be like us going down to Long Beach and giving a dollar and saying, here, this dollar I know is going to fix your life forever. We're assuming, but it's probably incorrect. Sometimes people don't need money. Sometimes they need love. Sometimes they need someone to listen. Maybe they need something else in their life. But when we assume, we don't love. See, when you truly start to ask, when you truly start to question, it draws it out of people. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. It says, counsel in the heart of man is like a deep well, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Jesus knew this. Jesus went and he did this. He says, what can I do for you? And as soon as he asked, they told him, Lord, we want to see. Right there, he knew exactly what he could do for them. And it wasn't that difficult. See, Jesus wants us to hear people's pain. He wants us to stop our busyness to engage. He wants us to look, give them our attention, and ask how we can help. That when you see those people that are hurting at the gym, in your work, your neighborhoods, your family, your community, in Long Beach, in Juarez, in the Philippines, wherever it may be, we ask, hey, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? What can I do to help get you from here to there? That's what Jesus is calling us to. That's what he wants for our lives. And I know that it's tough. I know that it's difficult. But Jesus goes one step further, and it's so cool. It says, look at this, in the next verse, 24, or 29 through 34, it says, Jesus felt compassion on them. 
So he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. Then they all started following Jesus. I want you to know this is so cool that whenever Jesus was interacting with people, he would be all in. He would use his ears to hear them. He'd use his eyes to see them. He'd use his mouth to speak to them. He'd use his hands to do something for them. He was all in to do whatever it would take to get them from where they found themselves to where they needed to be. And he's calling us to do the same. And I'm not saying that you need to go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor. No, I think Jesus will call you to certain people. I think Jesus will put people in your life who are in desperate need of love, who are in desperate need of your attention, who need to feel something. And these two blind men were placed in front of Jesus. And when Jesus had asked them the question, what is it that you want me to do? And they said, Lord, we want to see. Why? Because they were in the dark. How many people are living in the world today that are living in the dark? Feel like there's no hope. There's no purpose. There's no path. There's no agenda. They, they don't know who they are. They don't even know if God really exists anymore. Because society has robbed all of that from them. It's taken it away. See, Jesus says, look, I want to use you as my hands and my feet. I want to use you to bring light to my kingdom. I want you to make a difference in people's lives because that's what I have planned for you. That's what I want for your life. I don't want you to marginalize anybody. I want you to love people as difficult as it may be. He's calling us to start getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, to get comfortable with maybe the inconvenient about going out of our way to do something nice because it's what Jesus did. And it's what he's calling us to do as well. And so I think as we kind of look at all of this together, there's some great things that we can take from all of this. Some great things that we can kind of pull from what Jesus is calling us, that if we truly want to love like Jesus in the midst of a broken and a fractured world, this is how you do it. And if you don't get anything else from my message this morning, I hope it's this. And I want you to write this down or fill it in on your app um, through the Canyon Hills Friends Church app. And it's this. First, Jesus says, I want you to listen for the people who are in pain around you. Once again, they're everywhere. Everywhere you go, there are people who are desperately crying out. Odds are, even as you're sitting here this morning, you know somebody in your life who has been crying out for pain, but maybe you've been ignoring them or pushing them to the side. Jesus is calling us to listen this morning. Secondly, it's this, stop what you're doing to help others. Jesus was always willing to stop. There is story after story after story in scripture that says that Jesus, he always was going from place to place, teaching, doing all kinds of things, but he was never afraid to stop what he was doing to help someone in need because he knew it wasn't about him. It was about serving others. And that's how we truly show love, by serving one another, by stopping and investing in each other. Third thing is this, it's to look past behavior to see value. That when you see someone who may be different, when you see someone who may just be kind of off or you don't want to associate with them, look beyond what's going on in that moment. Look beyond that situation to see their worth, to see their value, to see who God has created them to be. That's what he's done for us as well. Fourth thing is this. It's ask what you can do to help. Very simple question. Don't assume that you know. Loving is not assuming. But ask, how can I help you? How can I be of a service? What can I do to help you in life? And then finally, it leads us to the fifth point, which is this. Do whatever you can to meet their need. 
Do whatever it takes. Whatever you're available to do, whatever you've got the willpower to be able to do, do whatever it takes to help one another. See, God is calling us to be his hands and feet in the midst of a broken generation, of a broken and a fractured world. He wants to use you to make a difference. He wants you to start asking, to start loving on people because you never know you may be the difference between life and death for someone. It's as simple as asking. It's as simple as engaging. It's as simple as wanting to be there for them and investing in them. You know, James chapter 2, verse 12, it says, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. You know what the law that sets you free is? It's the law of love. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love others as I have loved you. See, Jesus has shown you love. Jesus has shown you mercy. Jesus has shown you forgiveness even when you were yelling out, even when you were crying out in pain, even when you were hurting, even when you were broken. And now he's asking us, are you willing to do the same for me? And so I challenge you, I urge you, I exhort you this morning as we close just to take a moment this week just to stop. Stop whatever it is that you're doing. Stop the busyness, the routines of your day, and to listen. To truly listen to the hearts of God's people. To listen to the people who are crying out in pain around you. It won't take you long before you realize that this is a broken world, full of broken people who are in desperate need of love. And once you stop and once you listen, the next thing that you can do is simply ask, hey, I see that you're down. I see that you're struggling. I see that you're hurting. I see that you're afraid. I see that you're going through something. How can I help? What can I do for you? Because I'm invested in you. I care for you. And I want to help you get from where you are to where you need to be. Jesus was willing to do that for us. Are we willing to do the same for him? Would you join me in prayer? Father, we are just so grateful this morning. God, just for your word. Father, just for your examples in Scripture. Father, for your profound knowledge. God, this is a broken world. We live in the midst of brokenness. We are even broken ourselves, Father. But I pray that you will allow us to move beyond ourselves. Father, to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Father, to truly start to see people as you see them. To love people as you love them, Father. As difficult as it may be. Father, this reminds me of the passage in in Luke and your word, Father, that says that you saw people in need, people who were hungry, and you took some bread and some fish and you blessed it and you broke it and you gave it out. Father, I pray that that be us. Father, that we would be able to bring what we have, Father, and lay it before you and bless you and thank you, Father, for everything you continually give us every single day. And to realize that if we've been blessed, that we should bless the rest, Father. That once it's blessed, once we've given you thanks, Father, that you would break us. Father, to help us look past our schedules, past our busyness, to see the brokenness around us. And Father, that you would distribute us. Father, that you would send us. Father, that you would allow us to go and to make a difference in this world to be your hands and feet. We love you, Father. We pray this in your name.